The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, the iPhone of toothbrushes. Engineered by industrial designers to be simple and stylish, it stands neatly upright or hangs on the mirror, not taking up space or sitting in a gross cup or holder. There's no cord clutter because it's battery-powered. comes in colors including green, copper, silver, and gold, and it starts at only $25. You can get your first refill free if you visit getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic, here with you as always. Jay, what's going on? Not much, Paul. How are you? You know, I'm fantastic. It's a Tuesday. We're in the middle of what's sort of the dead period of the offseason, but really, not really. One. I keep waiting for that. There's just, there's, it's relentless. There used to be a time. When this would be a little slower and you could kind of take it easy. And there was a time where, where this wasn't even considered draft season yet. That time is long gone. Yeah. Used, draft season used to start with the combine. Now it starts with the final gun at the Super Bowl. No, now it starts with like what the previous draft ending, right? Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much all year. Um, we, we've got, we've got a lot to get to, um, we're going to run through today. Um, I, if you were listening last week, I clearly have a lot to get off my chest on the process of the Hall of Fame, how it works, why so many of these Bengals players have slipped through the cracks and seem to be on the outside looking in. So. To, to properly get it off my chest and have an informed discussion on this, uh, I went down to Paul Brown Stadium and sat in the office of Jeff Hobson, uh, who is the current um, voter in the room um, from the Cincinnati chapter. And we he's been in there for five, six years. He had some years before that he was on it. And we had a very good discussion about what's happening in that room, why it's happening, who should be in and the ways that this thing needs to be fixed. It's a great conversation, one that I've had in parts with Jeff multiple times over the years, but this was one where we really kind of hashed it out with where they're at and why this is a unique time where change could or maybe should be in the works. So it's about a half-hour conversation. We dive into everybody, Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, Willie Anderson, Corey Dillon, Chad Johnson, you name it, everyone, the, the process. What needs to change? All of it. So um, that will be coming up in the back half uh, of the podcast to close us out. And he even has a message for Jay. So, Well, I have a question for you about Butch. What's that? How many items did you have to remove from the chair that you needed to sit in to record your interview with him? You know, it's. I'm glad you brought this up because the, the interview opens with me pointing out that I am stunned at the cleanliness of – Butch's office because I've been in there many times before and it is rarely clean. 
and it, it was this time. So I don't know what's been going on, what's changed, but it was it was pretty clean. So credit credit to Butch. Only one stray Rice Krispie was uh, on the desk that we had to move <laughs> in order to make this happen. How big of a heads up did you give him before you were heading down there? Did you give him like a week? Now, granted, yeah. I mean, I I reached out to him after last week's episode, okay. so he had a week. So apparently, apparently he got it done. Uh, so that we, so we, we got, and we're gonna, you know what this is gonna be? I think we figured it out. This needs to be a full on run passer boot episode. Yes. So we've got, we have, well, we have four. We've got four run passer boots and a Bengals growler bet coming at you today. Very excited about that. A couple that are sort of Hall of Fame-ish. A couple that are related to my story that is uh, up on the athletic right now on the looking at the 17 Bengals free agents restricted and unrestricted and the likelihood of them coming back. If you want to get more into it, give everybody sort of a percentage chance of return and explain their situations. Um, so if you want to look at that, you can go to the athletic right now. If you subscribe, please subscribe um, athletic.com and so we're going to kind of dive into those through through some of those growler bets and some uh, some run passer boots. So all of that to get to. Let's dive in. Let's start. Let's just open it up with one. So in that story, there's 17, and there are 17 players. So in a growler, if, if this is our Bengals growler bet this week, and if you're not familiar with Bengals growler bet, use hashtag Bengals growler bet. Send it to us on Twitter. Your answer. If you hit it right on the nose. A growler from delicious, of delicious 50 West beer is yours on us. We could go broke this, this week. I know. I was this gonna is going to be. You got to be careful. This because is very easy. It is. Well, I mean, it it can be. It can be. How? What is the number of the 17 that will be in on Bengals training camp roster day one of camp of the 17? So. It's uh it can be a it can be a tough number to come up with, but there's only so many. Do you already have your answer? Um I or do. You need to talk through it. I, I I know my answer. If you want to go through them and let people know or they can just go to the article and read who all these guys are, but uh Well, if if you I'll I'll read the names off here. So AJ Green is currently considered a unrestricted free agent cuz he is even though he's likely to be tagged, but that counts. So AJ Green, Darquez Denard, Tyler Eifert, Kerry Wynn, John Jerry, Leroy Reynolds, and I know people are like, were these guys on the team? Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, we asked ourselves that a lot last year. Uh, Nick Vigil, Andrew Billings, Clayton Fedulum. And now we go to the restricted guys. Josh Tupo, Brandon Wilson, Alex Redman, Seathan Carter, Hardy Nickerson, Tori McTire for the hardcore Bengal fan, Tony McRae, Greg Mabin. Those are the 17. Now, Jay, what's your number? Yeah, but the hard part of this is, like, you you assigned a percentage to each one of these guys, and eight of the 17, you had it better than 50%. But the, the whole thing here is it's it's a two-way street with a lot of these guys. Um, most of them are unrestricted, and either they're looking for more playing time or they're looking for a, a chance to win. They don't see it here. 
I, I think the Bengals want a bigger number back than what will actually come back. Um, I'm, I'm going to go just over half. I'm going to take nine. Okay. You're saying nine. Yes. Could you rip off the nine right now, or do you think it's a give and take where, where it's if one, then the other? Yeah, so I don't you feel like you'll – okay. I think, it's hard to predict exactly how it falls. Right. I've I've got seven. Ooh. I say seven, so I'll so eight will be our split, our push on this. I have, I think AJ uh, will, will be back. So AJ Darquez is two, uh, and then I have. Let's see. I'm then I'm gonna pass on vigil even though I have him at fifty two percent. I don't I don't I'm just gonna say it doesn't happen. Andrew Billings, I think, will be three. Fedge will be four. Tupo will be five. Brandon Wilson will be six. And Stephen Carter will be seven. Those are I'll even say those are my seven. Yeah, I, I would add Alex Redmond. I, I just think that where they are on the offensive line, that at least he's, if nothing else, a camp body. It'd be relatively cheap that they would bring him back. And I, I do think, based on now, now Nick Vigil could just say no thanks and, and look elsewhere. But I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him. And based on where this linebacker room is, I just there's there. I mean, it makes sense to blow the whole thing up and start over. But re, I don't know how realistic realistic that is. And it, with how well Vigil played in the second half of last year, I do I do think he's a pretty good candidate to come back. Yeah, I don't know if "well"s the word. <laughs> Comparatively, better. yeah, I would say better in the second half than the first half. Yeah, I mean, I I do think there is some value to him as the last guy in the room. My question is how much interest he would have in that, but he may just be trying to find anywhere where he can hang on. Maybe somebody would be willing to give him a chance thinking that they can get more out of him that, you know, wasn't happening here. So I'm with you. I don't know how much market there will be. So let's take that and let's play it into a run, pass, or boot on defense here. Run, pass, or boot, most likely to be here defensively, Vigil, Billings, or Darquez. Of those three, who do you run, pass, and boot? Um, I run with Darquez. I think that he he did play well. There's no qualifier there. Uh, when healthy, he played well. He missed the first half of the season, which he, he felt he was healthy enough to play, which you wrote about. Um, he tested the market last year. There there wasn't a lot of interest. Um, so for that reason, I, I don't I don't see that interest spiking. And I I do think he has quite a bit of value. Um, and injuries are, are you know he, he does have trouble staying healthy, but Again, that's that is a position group that is extremely thin. So I, I think he's he's the guy that uh, most likely of those three. Um, well, uh, who were the other two? Billings and Vigil. Vigil, yeah. Um, Billings, I'm going to boot because I think there is going to be quite a bit of interest in him, and the Bengals have a a ready made guy and Josh Tupo who is much cheaper that they can put alongside um, A.J. Green or not, I'm sorry, A.J. Green Gino, Gino Atkins. Um, and then we still don't really know what Rennell Wren is, uh, how, how bad that hip injury is. They can always get another defensive tackle in the draft. 
So I'm, I'm going to boot him, and then I'll, I'll pass on Vigil because it just it does feel kind of 50-50 there whether whether he would be the guy. So run with Darquez, pass on Vigil, and boot Billings. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on Darquez. I, his case is really interesting. I I've I've gotten to know Darquez fairly well here during his tenure, and look, he's frustrated. Like he's always felt overlooked here. He was frustrated by nobody else giving him a chance to go prove it elsewhere last year. He really didn't like being shelved the first half of last season on PUP. Really didn't like that. And I think he's hoping that somebody else will see the value in what he has done on the field and see the value and need a slot corner and put him in there and be willing to pay him a little bit. To me, the question is if anybody will. Because I think the Bengals, while they see value and while they have, you know, they have a mess at that position, you know, they're not going to go. I don't see them going much beyond probably re upping what they did last year. It was one year, I think it was about five. Um, I think with his injury stuff, I think they're willing to go year to year with him, but I don't think that they want to sign up some longer term thing. I, I could see him maybe doing like a two for 12 or something, but um, it's a matter of if anybody else wants him and, or if it's just going to be a repeat of the previous year. And I think the injury stuff and him missing the first half of last year, I think that scares some other teams away too. I was stunned there wasn't more interest in him last year. I do think he's a valuable player, and he plays a position that's ever more important. So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say there's not gonna be as much interest elsewhere as the Bengals will be willing to give, and maybe he does come back. But I, his frustration level is a big part of this too. I think he's, he feels ready for a fresh start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still gonna run with him compared to the other guys. Um, I am gonna pass. On Billings and Boot Vigil, I I just feel like the desire to blow up the linebacker room is going to be stronger than a need to have Vigil come back. And if Vigil knows he's coming back as a fourth linebacker, how much interest does he even have in that? If he can go be a fourth linebacker on a team that would be more likely to win? Uh, so I have Vigil gone, and I say Billings is in the middle for me. Um That, again, comes down to the market for others. I do think the Bengals have interest in keeping Andrew Billings here, but you never know. With defensive tackle in particular, I could see there being some interest. So he's kind of a coin flippish type guy. Um, I think they'll make a decent offer, but I, I, you know, Billings is going to want to see what the market is for him because I don't think he knows. It's one of these guys, your first time out there, you never know what it's going to look like, and you want to go through it, and you want to see if someone's willing to outbid for somebody. So... Um, that's, that's how, that's how I see it. But yeah, they're both, they're all three kind of tough cases with a whole lot of variables. So that's, so we only differ on the back end. So let's, let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. The interesting thing in that is, is so many of their restricted and unrestricted free agents are def- defensive players. Like on offense, there's really not a whole lot there. It's, it's all kind of in place. I mean, you have, so the three I have are Tyler Eifert, AJ Green, and AJ Green is, Technically an unrestricted free agent, but he'll be tagged. And then Alex Redmond. So run, pass, or boot. 
AJ Eifert and Redmond being around on day one of camp. Yeah, I think. Well, <laughs> being around or being under contract, AJ Green, I, I think is he would be under contract unless yeah. he chose not to sign. Well, now that's true. He could hold out if and, he signs. Will he sign the tag? If he hasn't, we count it. I think we count it. If he's tagged, yes. Even if he hasn't signed the tag and doesn't show up day one, he still counts. Okay. So and, if we under that rule, that's how we'll play it. Yeah, then I, I think he's the obvious run there. Um, it, it, the trade piece is always out there, but I just it just feels like they want him, and he has said he would play on the tag. So I, I, I think that's an obvious run there. Um, I, I will pass on Redmond. I, I think he's kind of 50-50 just because of where they are with the offensive line, and he's he's really – I mean, he's a mauler, and he's good as a as a run blocker, and he, he's had issues in the past. But I still think that they 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 think there's untapped potential there. Still, um, you mentioned in your piece that that Jim Turner kind of has a soft spot for him, so I do think there's a good chance he is he's there. And then I, I would boot Eifert just because, I mean, he he was healthy all 16 games, but they they didn't use him. And they, you you have to wonder about the the injury history again. I mean, you could see, I guess he would be under contract, but you could always see an, an injury happening even before they get to camp in OTA, something like that. Um, I mean, maybe maybe all three of them are under contract, but if you have to boot one, is least likely it would be Tyler Eifert. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I would be all three of those. I would agree. I mean, I don't think. Redmond, I, my gut says Redmond isn't on opening day, the 53, but, I mean, I think he'll be in camp. Uh, and A.J. is really, you know, I had him at 80% being on the team next year, which is strictly percentage chance I think he gets traded. It's all this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I somebody tweeted me the other day, like, uh you know, if they if they let him walk and and not tag him, they deserve blah blah blah. And I'm like, in what world has anyone ever said that they wouldn't tag him? Like he brought up that he would prefer they didn't, but everyone that knows anything that has said anything about this is under full understanding that they're going to tag AJ Green. The idea of them letting him walk for a potential third round comp is ridiculous. Yeah. They wouldn't do that. I mean, so. You know, that is what's going to happen. So it's a matter of they can agree to a long-term deal. If they don't agree to a long-term deal by either, you know, right before free agency, uh, when it becomes time to apply the tag, or by the July 15 deadline, then then you start opening up, okay, maybe trade is part of it. Uh, so that to me, that's the question there is the percentage chance – of Redmond being on the back end of the roster versus the percentage chance of AJ Green being traded. And I still think AJ Green will be on this team. Uh, and Eifert, you know, Eifert's an interesting case in that you're right. He, he did, they didn't utilize him the way you would expect him to be utilized. And there were trade inquiries for him last year. So there's people see the value in him and and would want him and would have interest. Two teams that I mentioned in the piece, we know the Saints were trying to trade for him, and I, we know the Rams tried to sign him last year. 
Um, so the idea of them going back in would make sense. Two teams that would be in win-now modes, two teams that value guys that can make plays in the red zone like that. Not that other teams don't, but in particular with their quarterbacks, you would think it would make sense. Um, I could see either of those happen. But I just... You know, when you've 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 invested a second round pick in Drew Sample, CJ Uzama is 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 a is a really nice player for tight end. If the you, you run an eleven personnel all the time. Right. Like <laughs> you know, I mean it, it was it was the ridiculousness of signing Eifert and CJ and then drafting a tight end when you're gonna go out there and run eleven personnel all day. Like what it's unnecessary. If you're really looking for how to allocate resources. So to me, it wouldn't make sense to go back in again. But, you know, they did target him a lot on third downs. He did still make a lot of plays for them. And he has been around here. He does have good friends on the team. He's very close with CJ and Gio and that whole group he has been around with. So he would have a desire to come back if the Bengals were in play. So, you know, you can you can see it. It's not a crazy thought that he would resign here for another year. Same deal, probably, similar to the Darquez thing. Um, but you, you wonder why they would spend their money there if they could, you know, move it elsewhere. So, yeah, especially I, I mean, you were the same on that. There's some of the plays he made. I mean, he 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 still has really good hands, but he he seemed like I don't know, like I don't know if it's age or the injuries, but he did look more than a step slower this year, and and I just wonder. You know, you combine that with the injury factor, how much of a of a market's going to be out there. And then the Rams kind of found a gem in Higby. So, you, yeah, they tried to sign Tyler Eifert last year, but maybe maybe that ship has sailed. Um, I'm sure there's other teams out there that could use him. But, oh, yeah. But I, I don't know. It, it's just a matter of if, if, if you're getting equal money uh, elsewhere or from the Bengals, what what would you think Eifert's choice would be? Obviously, like you said, he's got a lot of friends here. Um, I, I guess a lot of it would come down to whether he sees this thing turning around quickly enough where he can have a chance to get back to the playoffs before his career ends. You know, I mean, I embedded his tweet for a reason in this story. It's a picture of him coming out with his team. It says, it wasn't the year we won it, but I enjoyed fighting with this team and playing a full season, a lot left in the tank, mm-hmm. with a bunch of Bengals emojis. He, he is really close with guys that they have given contracts to. Yeah. I mentioned Gio and CJ. I mean, they're, they are really tight. He was at their wet, at Gio's wedding in Italy, uh, with them. You know, they're, they're a really, really close group. Um, and, you know, if you're thinking about coming back, here comes Joe Burrow. Second year, you know, chance to play for the team that you played for your whole career. Obviously, you know, I for, you know, you know the thing about Tyler. He's a happy dude. <laughs> like, he's a real happy dude. He's a happy-go-lucky, every-man guy. He's from the Midwest. And I think he likes the idea of being with his friends. I mean, I wrote a whole story right before the season started about the boys, about him and CJ and how tight they've been and the idea they finally were going to get a chance to play together on the field. It's the only thing they hadn't really done their entire four, four years they've been together. They were finally going to have a chance to do it. And they did. And I think he took immense enjoyment out of that. And I think that matters to him because he is really just kind of a guy. Maybe I'm talking myself into this. Um, but it's a matter of what will, you know, what will the money look like compared to 
you know, New Orleans or whatever. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. He'll be a very interesting case to watch again. Yeah. Um, you've got stats, of course. I do. So well, let's shift over towards into this sort of Hall of Fame conversation that we're going to dive into uh, as we I talk with Jeff Hobson about the process and how screwed up it is and, and the ways it could possibly be fixed and how it's hosed the Bengals. Yeah. One of the most hosed is is Ken Riley, who has 65 interceptions. Hey, I just, it's funny. I just heard this because somebody was talking about Ed Reed. Hmm. You know how many interceptions Ed Reed? Legendary. Deserving. Unbelievable player. No doubt. No brainer. Hall of Famer. You know how many interceptions Ed Reed has? I'd say in the 40s. 64. Ooh. 64. Ken Riley, 65. Fifth all time still. Fifth. All time still. And, and did it in an era where nobody really passed the ball. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, I loved watching him growing up because, you know, you, you watch these old time football clips and it seems like every tackle would be a flag today. And the, the one thing that I just remember most about him is I don't know what it was with quarterbacks back in the day, but they always threw the ball really high and he would come in and, and chop the receiver's legs out and, and that, uh, clip that you've got in your piece today has so many of those i used to love watching him flip those guys and that, that's a pretty that, that's a hard hit and that was in an era too this is another thing i looked up when i was going through these stats is i was curious how many fumbles he forced because back then the the ground causing a fumble was not a thing and a lot of those receivers would catch the ball he'd upend them by chopping their legs out and then they'd hit the ground and fumble and they didn't keep track of forced fumbles back then um and even fumble recoveries are, are hard to, to quantify. They, they don't, there's officially that wasn't a stat until 91. Um, and he had 18 of those. If, if you, since 91, the, the most in, in Bengals history is Takeo Spikes with 11 and Ken Riley at 18. Um, so, wow. um, but that, that was, that I just, I don't think that would be a penalty today. It's, you're hitting a guy low. Um, it looks awful when they get upended and they land on their shoulders or their heads, but it's not an illegal hit. And that was just, that was the one thing that I remembered most from his career. But what I wanted to do for the stats is I went through and this was, this was a bit of a chore because game books are not readily available, um, for, for his era. But of those 65 interceptions, I wondered how many came against Hall of Fame quarterbacks because he's, Playing as many years as he did, 69 to 83, that he spanned, uh, you know, kind of two eras there. Um, so how many do you think it was? How many of those 65 interceptions, how many do you think came against Hall of Famers? That's tough. I mean, there's a lot of Hall of Famers in there. And, and the guy who I think is going to have the most was a Hall of Famer. So I'm going to say 22. Yeah, it was my, it was 10. I, I was surprised. I thought it would be more than that. Um, that, the, the, so the guy, I think I know who you're talking about here, the guy you think he victimized most. Um, who do you think it was? Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, he had four against Bradshaw, which was the four most. Four on Bradshaw? That was the most of all the Hall of Famers. Um, okay. What, what was interesting about the, one of the things that, that kind of threw me for a loop here is there, there was a game the, the Bengals played against the Jets where Jets quarterbacks threw six interceptions. And uh, Joe Namath threw four, and Richard Todd threw two, uh, and I had to go find the game book to see because Ken Riley had three in that game, and I had to see who they came against. And uh, two of the three were against Namath in that game. Um, the he also he also got greasy twice. 
Um, he got Joe Montana once, and uh, and uh, who? Oh, Ken Stabler once. Now the uh, in, in terms of the most overall of any guys, um, who, who do you think that might be? I don't know. I was thinking it might be Bradshaw. <laughs> Bradshaw. So. Same thing. It was a division opponent. Um, he had seven against Dan Pastorini. Dan Pastorini giving yes. it up. <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, I didn't think we'd get a Dan Pastorini reference in today's podcast, Jay. I'm not going to lie. Uh, what about uh, – he had five against Brian Sipe and five against Jim Plunkett. So there were there – I mean, some of these guys – some of those were really good quarterbacks that he got. Jim Zorn, um, they, they're not Hall of Famers, but they were they were quality quarterbacks – um, but yeah, that, that kind of surprised me that only 10 of the 65 were against Hall of Famers. But then again, you know, that's, there's, there's only there's so many Hall of so Famers. Hall of I mean, Famers. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's still, it's, it's an, it's an, it is an incredible number. So, so it's kind of set up the Hall of Fame conversation that, that, uh, Butchie and I are going to dive into. Let's do run, pass, or boot. Now this is this is kind of a good one. This was I'll give you credit. You came up with this one. Run pass or boot. What will happen first? A Bengal goes into the Hall of Fame. Uh the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Just make a Super Bowl. Make a Super Bowl, not win. Just make yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're right. Let's be honest. Make <laughs> the Super Bowl or Joe Burrow retires slash throws his final pass. That is a tough one. And I would even say to throw out there when you think it will be. So would you have you have yours set? Uh yeah. Okay, go I for it. You start. I'm gonna say Joe Burrow retires. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, I just feel like these unless they do something, you know, off the off the standard again like they did this year with all the extra veterans, it just I don't know. It seems like the ship has sailed for most of those guys. Um, I still think that Ken Anderson has a chance. Um, he's been close, but like I don't see Chad getting in. I don't see Willie getting in. Uh, it's been so long for Ken Riley, and he he's got he's got everything you want. He's got stats. Um, he's got longevity. He's got everything but the ring. Uh, it just doesn't feel like he's going to get in. So I would, I, I would actually, I would boot. Reaching a Super Bowl, and I would pass on one of the Bengals getting in the Hall of Fame, one of the former Bengals getting in the Hall of Fame, and um, I'll run with uh, Joe Burrow's career ends. But saying that, so your so two, your opinion then is that Joe Burrow would not lead the Bengals to a Super Bowl? Yes. Woo! Hot take alert. Do we have an alarm for that? Can we put in a hot take alarm? <laughs> Joe Burrow, if drafted by the Bengals, will not lead them to a Super Bowl. Dash Jay Morrison. That's the I mean, how many quarterbacks have they had since they went to the last Super Bowl? I mean, as good as no, it's Joe, true. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I thought he was already. They already got the bust for the Hall of Fame in there for Joe. What if Joe Burrow is the one that goes to the Hall of Fame next? Was is that on here? No. Uh, here's here's what what I'm thinking on that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run with a Bengal getting into the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna say I think Wit has a real chance, and I think his the end with the Rams here is gonna has helped give his 
pro, bring his profile up. I think he'll have the right people on his side. I think Pro Football Focus will help him. And I think he's got a real chance. So Witt, he played left tackle. Getting in is, is kind of, or I mean, an, an AJ second act could help him get over the top. Gino's in play. If he could have a, I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to get in, but Gino's in play there too. So enough in there to, in, within the next, you know, that's, we're talking 10 years. Now we get down to the, so I run with that. I'm passing. I'm going to pass on the Bengals making the Super Bowl because I think Joe Burrow can take them to a Super Bowl in the next 10 years. I think it can happen. More so than he retires. I mean, one run, one run. So I, so I'm running with Bengal in the Hall of Fame. I'm passing on, uh, the Bengals making a Super Bowl and I'm booting that Burrow retires first. Okay. So maybe, would it maybe be different? Take. I was going to say, would it be different? Cause I, I feel like I need to throw an asterisk in there because when I was, when I was factoring this in, I was not including any active thing. I was just, Currently oh, you were talking Bengals. former. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking so. any. Well, at the time, I was just saying. I thought you meant like you know anybody that would be considered a former Bengal. So you know, Gino and yeah, AJ that, and Witt would be that. So you're not yeah, considering them. Do you? If, we'll do that then. Then you redo it. Would you, that change your vote? It would. I, I think one of those three is going to get in. Okay. Um, Witt, AJ, or Gino, and you're right. Most likely, it would be Witt. Um, unless something happens here where, you know, if they make a run to the Super Bowl, that, that might be all Gino needs to get in. Um, but yeah, if, if we, yeah. if we include any, any big former Bengal <laughs> at any point, um, then yeah, I would, I would run with the Hall of Fame and then pass on Burrow retiring and, and I'd still boot the Super Bowl. Yeah. I will say this. AJ's Hall of Fame case hinges on a second act like Larry mm-hmm. Fitzgerald's had. It hinges on two to three more big years and an appearance in probably the Super Bowl. I think. I don't think he gets in without it. Um, and then, so, okay, so that now to, so run passer boot, most likely to be a Hall of Famer, Gino, AJ, or Witt of those three, which is most likely to be the guy. Um, I, I think it's wit and and I think based on on merit alone, but then when you you factor in you look at who these fifty voters are, um, a lot of them are uh, sports writers that have have been sports writers for a long time, and I mean there's there's broadcasters there's other people that do it but a lot most of them are sports writers and I think PFF has enough respect. Among sports writers, and and they've they've helped sports writers so much that I think the 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 validation that PFF gives Wit will go a long way with those guys. And uh, you know, he didn't win the Super Bowl, but he's 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 he got to a Super Bowl. And you know, one year left. If he I don't know if he stays with the Rams or goes somewhere else this year, but if he makes another run. I mean, if he were to get to a Super Bowl this year, I, I think he'd be a lock at that point. But even without and if, one, well, and if I, you're I if you're giving credit for longevity, uh, right? That's a lot. That's a lot of years playing left tackle in the league at a high level. So there's there's something to that too. Um, so you're and so arguably you're running playing. Yeah, I was gonna say, and arguably playing, you know, some of his best football at the end of his career. I think yeah. that goes a long way. But yeah, I would I would run with him. 
Um, I'll pass Gino and, and I'll boot AJ just because, like you said, he's going to need a big second act, kind of like the, the Kurt Warner with great at the beginning, great at the end, and so-so in the middle. Um, and, and I don't know that AJ's got that in him. I don't know if he can stay healthy. I don't know if he can do that here. Um, and I think Gino's close enough um, where if they did make a, a, a deep run or two uh, while he's still here, that could be enough to push him over the edge. I'm going to disagree with you there, so I'm going to flop those. So I'm going to have Wit okay. run. I'm running with Wit, and I'm going to pass on AJ, and I'm going to boot Gino. I don't think Gino has another big year in him. I think we've we've seen his depreciation come down to this level, and this is who he's going to be the next couple of years is the the average guy he was last year. And I don't think he's got enough. And the other thing is defensive tackles really have a hard time getting into the hall. There's been three since 2000. You know, you're talking about a very few guys, Sapp, uh, Cortez Kennedy, John Randall, the end. It's a really tough thing to crack, and his sack numbers aren't there, and that's really all he has, and that's a big part of what you're defined by. Um, and, and maybe PFF will help him. They've given him good grades and all that stuff, uh, but I, I don't think he has enough. AJ, I think there's a better chance that he does have a second act. I think he's got more in him. I think he's got a couple more good years in him, and I think whether it's here or elsewhere, I think he can, wherever he lands, that team can be very good. Because when he, at least around here, when he's played, they've been very good. <laughs> and that's been pretty consistent. So, I, you know, I, I think that there's definitely hope for AJ um, having a second act, probably more so than Gino. Um, whereas I just, I feel like Gino's been healthy. We've seen him and he has depreciated. Whereas AJ, at least there's a question. It's just been about health. When he has played, he's been good. So I think there's more of a chance that he comes back, is healthy and is good than Gino, who appears to be just a guy at this point. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, uh, I didn't really factor this in early, but the whole Gino, it's going to be Gino versus Aaron Donald. He's always going to be compared to him and he's, he's yeah. Not well, I mean, he'll, he'll retire first. So if right, he doesn't get but, in before Aaron Donald retires, uh, you know, if you figure Aaron Donald is going to be around for another six, seven years, there'll probably be like a three year, three, four year window where Gino will be eligible and Aaron Donald will still, will not be eligible. Um, so he, he would need to be dubbed good enough before that. Cause yeah, obviously he, he's going to lose out to Aaron Donald every time as he should. Um, all right. You know, kind of, we're in that middle, middle of the February discussion. So we decided to kind of go a little sideways here. Plenty of time to dive into more Joe Burrow disrespect that's out there. Plenty of time to talk more about the Combine, which is in two weeks now from today. Uh, and then, you know, we, we've free agency still coming. We've got a lot planned, a lot coming on that end. So keep looking out for that. Uh, if you have not, uh, please subscribe to The Athletic. All the stuff that we've been talking about all up on the site now, plus hundreds upon hundreds of other sports writers from all across the country and over into Europe. If you like Premier League, we've got you covered there with the total, the absolute insiders, the best with every single team or club you can find. So highly recommend spending the $3 a month it takes and uh, you will have an insider on every single one of your teams. Uh, that you follow. So anyway, thanks everybody uh, for listening. Now we're going to take you to my conversation I had with Bengals.com Cincinnati Pro Football Hall of Fame voter uh, Jeff Hobson as we talk through the process, why the Bengals players haven't been getting in, how screwed up the whole thing is, and what the future could look like. So anyway, here's that conversation, and thanks to everybody uh, for listening to hear that podcast, Growling. 
All right, another a special moment here on Hear That Podcast, Growlin, is uh, we can hop into the office. Um, we're in the we're in the dungeon. I cleaned here. it for you. You did. I you did. The Rice Krispies have been wiped off the, the table. Everything's looking good. It's looking actually. I will say for for this time of year, it's looking pretty clean in here, Jeff Hobson. Well, it's not a. Uh, there's the. No paper on this desk is 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 uh, from the previous decade, yeah. which is a uh, which is a big step up. At this time, we're we're in sort of a bit of the dead zone, so maybe that's why we don't have it as dirty as 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 it's in season. It's quite a show in here. Couldn't find me. Couldn't find me. Couldn't find me. <laughs> uh, uh, great to have you on. I, I've been talking about this. Um, the, first of all, there's a lot that we could talk about, um, but I have found myself. Recently, in multiple rants on multiple mm-hmm. mediums and outlets <laughs> about the Hall of Fame and process. Don't we call it platforms? platforms. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. you sound like somebody that's been really working through some uh, some meetings lately. Yeah, I've been working through a lot of modern. Uh, <laughs> yeah, things. you're right. I've been on a lot of platforms and I've been unable to truly get this off my chest. Yeah. And that is the Hall of Fame, the process, what is happening to some of the pre- the premium Bengals names that are on deck. Yeah. And it's been it's it's something that I think everybody needs to address and talk through and you know you're you're currently the uh Cincinnati rep. You've been in there for five years now? Yeah, I five think. years. I was yeah. I was on uh, You were was, previously I was there. I was in there for two years before I came over and got the job. Mm-hmm. And then when I came over to Bengals.com, they didn't want anybody who was working for a team. Yes. And then, then 15, then when uh, Joe uh, Reedy left, I guess, uh, that was the same. It happened a bunch of people were going to teams and a lot of guys that had been around the league were going to teams. Right. And so they, they cleared that rule. Right. They rewrote the, uh, to get me on, to get me on the committee, they rewrote the bylaws. Yeah. So a team can, so a team reporter can do it now. Jimmy Wyatt, did he do it too? Jimmy Wyatt, uh, I don't think he was, no, he was never a selector. Okay. But, um, the guy from Washington is a, uh, they also rewrote in there. They didn't want, they didn't want teams to stack the, you know, they didn't want teams to stack the committee. So I think there's a they had it there. You had to be have covered in the league. I think ten years for an independent. And you know what? This is kind of where I start to have issue in general. Is there's bylaws and there's all this red tape involved with this whole thing? Yeah. And, and look, can you? There's 48 guys in the room, mm-hmm. and the, the the vote happens where it goes from. 15 finalists, which mm-hmm. is mail-in votes by those guys to get the finalists, right? right the finalist right. is created by... by right, it's a, it's a, it, 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 there's a cut. There's a massive cut from... Maybe, like 120-ish. Yeah, down to, down to 25. Yeah. And then you mail it in, you mail that in, and then you mail in your 25. And this and is it, all, the, the, cut, the cut from, the right. cut from 125 to 25 and from 25 to 15 is all mailed in by the voters. Correct. By, by the 48, by the 48, 48 pro football hall of fame voters, which are all writers that have covered the league. Uh, writers, for the announcers, most, I mean, yes. writers, uh, uh, yeah, writers. But no, no coaches, no players, Correct. anything like that. There's only, there's only two players, there's two, there's two hall of famers on the committee, James Lofton and Dan Fouts. Because but they've the been media. broadcasters, yeah, they've yeah, been in the media, right, right. so they've stayed around it. Right. So, so you, that's how that works. And then on the Saturday before the Super Bowl, everybody gets in the room, mm-hmm. and guys, the 15 yeah. players, all every player has someone presenting them. They make their case. There's debate about each one. Yeah. Take me inside the room real quick and kind of just give me a brief 
give me a, a synopsis of what that's like and, and how that plays out typically. No, it's been kind of, uh, they try to get us through there now uh, quickly because we have to be done in time for the show. Mm. Because everything's about the show. Oh, it's now. a show now. But it's, uh, you got to get done in time for NFL honors, yeah. which I think they start taping at 4 o'clock. So, or 4.30, I think, this past year. And so I think we started at 7 in the morning, I think. And uh, I tell you, these guys come, they, those guys on the committee, the guys who present people and the guys who ask questions, I, I pretty much keep my mouth shut. And uh, guys have been on the committee longer and uh, uh, they, they know their stuff, but it's, uh, it's, it's hard to get a guy, it's hard to get a guy, it's an entrenched, there's an entrenched, uh, you know, there's entrenched positions, there's, there's a lot of give and take, and there's a lot of, uh, I don't really see, I don't see a lot of, well, I guess there is politics at play, but I think everybody's in there is trying to do the right thing and get the right guy in there, but it's, you know, when you get, I mean, football is just not baseball. It's very, it's yeah. a, such a, to me, that's part of it. The process is part of the problem. It probably should be opened up to, you know, more, a more diverse group. I'd like to see that. You know, I think like you, you know, I, like I said, I'd like to see like baseball. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you cover the league for ten years, you know, just send in your, you know, and send in your ballot. No discussion, yeah. no debate. But that's hard to do in football. Yeah, baseball is a game of stats. Turn over a guy's baseball card, and you can, and you know if he's a Hall of Famer. Most of the time, you would know if he's a Hall of Famer or not. You know, uh, with football, it, it it's hard. I mean, what 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 is the difference between John Lynch and Leroy Butler. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I mean that's, what that's, is the difference? I, I mean, I ran in this week in Bengals uh, last week the side by side stats of Chad Johnson and Isaac Bruce. Yes. And I mean, outside of longevity in the one ring, yeah. but right. Chad has him on every category. No he had two, he has two all pros. Isaac, Isaac Bruce was never an all pro. Chad had six Pro Bowls, if you care about Pro Bowls. Right. And, and Isaac Bruce had four. His prime mm-hmm. was better and yes. longer right. than Isaac Bruce's prime, but Isaac Bruce. Yeah. Was in for was in the league for fifteen years, so he racked up more yards. Right. What's the difference between an eleven-year career and a fifteen-year right. career? Nothing in the terms of the real right. effect you had on being a Hall of Fame player. It's about your prime and your peak. So let's go to Reggie Wade. Yeah, let's go to Reggie Wade. So I was trying to tell somebody this. So I was talking about this with Troy Walters, who's an interesting guy, the new Bengals assistant wide receivers coach. Right. He actually was a fourth receiver with five Hall of Famers <laughs> through, his, through his career. How about so that? he knows a Hall of Famer when he sees one. He right. says, well, what about Reggie Wade? I said, great numbers. I said, but you can't tell me. There was no, any one time in his 15 years, he said, Reggie Wayne is the best receiver in the league or you got to stop Reggie Wayne. Chad Johnson, from 2003 to 2009, you had to say that. Yes. You know, so you can't, you know, Chad Johnson, Reggie Wayne, it's not a debate. Yeah. But Wayne played. He, Wayne racked those up numbers, and they're impressive numbers. Because another way you have to look at it, how many guys have reached those numbers? Not many. Yeah. It does. It does speak to a person's. I think a person's longevity is is you know if he's still productive. I think that has to be weighed in. But I also think a lot of guys. What you just said. There's a lot of Chad Johnsons out there where hey, for five years this guy was the best. Yes. Maybe he didn't hang around long. But it gets then it gets into the debate about but that. To yeah. me, that's what it is, though. Yeah. Hall of Fame is about who you were at your peak. 
when you were when you I, owned the league. Correct. You know I, what I mean? I, and it's like I, that's I, why Baselli should be in. Right. That's why Tony Baselli should be in. Right. And, and 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 I would go back to Kenny Anderson, which is obviously the 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 right. you know the gorilla that lives correct. inside of the room now right. around here because Kenny had four years mm-hmm. in his career where he was first or second in yards per attempt, first in completion percentage, all of these numbers. And he won the freaking MVP one year right. and went to a Super Bowl, but yet is, again, and, and, yeah. and he had longevity too. Right. But, you know, you... It's matching it against your guy in, 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 in your era. And what he did about it. And the thing about Kenny, he did it in two eras. He did it in two different eras of football. Yeah. When he led the league in passing in 74 and 75, it was demolition derby. I mean, you, receivers couldn't get open because they were getting hammered. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul Brown came out. It's not the Mel Mont rule, the five-yard rule. It's the Isaac Curtis rule because Paul Brown wanted people to get off Isaac Curtis. Yeah. Kenny Anderson still won the passing title when they were killing receivers. And then in 81 and 82, when it turned into rollerball, he won the passing title. So he did it in two different – to me, geez, he was great in two areas. Yes. You know, he, you should get in if you're great in one. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then exactly. again, that gets you back to the other element that bugs me is there's too many good players on great teams in yep. there, which always struck me a little bit with Lynch, a little bit. Uh, but Lynch is a hell of a – but, you know, maybe he should be in, maybe not. I, you know, it's – but, you know, there's no, but there's not enough great players from bad or mediocre teams. Or yes. is it, I should say this. There's not enough great players from teams that did not win a Super Bowl. Yes. And, and I, I have credited you and been using that line over and over again mm-hmm. because it's true. And it's to me – and this is where we get into the process because everyone's going to ask the question, well, why is this happening? Yeah. Why are – every team has their Corey Dillon and Chad yeah. Johnson and Willie Anderson and, and Kenny Anderson and, and yeah. Ken Riley. Every, every team and every fan base has that list. And I have to, you know, I, I will even say it here and, and, and poke my colleague in Pittsburgh, Ed yeah. Bouchette, who, who floated the concept of an anti-Steelers bias yeah. uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago, despite yeah. the fact that they have 18 right. people in the hall and are getting three in this year yeah, right, in this yeah. centennial class. Right. The Bengals have one yeah. player. It's ridiculous. It's re- I mean, at a certain point, and, and look, yeah. they don't have a Super Bowl, and that's probably what this is about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you... There's no way they have won a lot of games around here. Yep. You know, maybe not as many as people would like, but there's no way that you can say that when you've been in this playing for 50 plus years and have plenty of teams that have been very good, right. that only one player is deserving. Correct. Uh, there's Correct. just no, it, to me, it goes back right. to what is the process? Right. What, what is the problem with right. the process that, that is, that is, that, 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 that because, yeah. You know what? There's not Cincinnati's not the only spot where this is the case. There's other teams that are that are through the cracks yeah. often. Right. You know, Jacksonville is new, might right. be the new version of that. We've right. had some bad teams. Yeah. Fred Taylor on the outside, yeah. Tony Baselli on the outside. Right. You know, a lot of these guys. So I, you right. know, it's to me that there's a problem with the process. I mean, what do you what, for, I, uh, what you know, do you think the problem is in in some of whether it's Cincinnati or other markets, but Cincinnati in particular here, to keeping this bad streak going? Didn't win a Super Bowl, right? That's the that's the number one thing. 
Chris Collinsworth will tell you that. Chris Collinsworth will tell you if he didn't fumble in the red zone, Kenny Anderson would be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Big play in that uh, Super Bowl 16. Um, that, I think, unfortunately, that's a big thing. It shouldn't be, but it is. I won a Super Bowl. I also think uh, the fact that they've been up and down. When they've been bad, they've been bad. The Bengals have been bad. When they've been good, they've been, you know, I mean, hell, they're coming off their best, they're coming off their best decade. Yeah. When it comes to wins. So that's not really an argument either. You know, but that's what I hear a lot. I hear a lot of that. That, that, well, you know, it doesn't help that they're losing now. Well, it didn't help when they were winning either. Yeah, so, so what, I, what is it, what does it yeah. have to do? If you're yeah. talking about Ken Anderson who played yeah. in the Super Bowl, that's or if you're I talking said. about Chad who, who played right. on teams that won I division said, that's titles. I said. Ken Anderson is, Ken Anderson's paying the price because Andy Dahl didn't win a playoff game. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, you know, I, I don't get it. You know, I, there are guys that agree with me. Yeah. But not enough. So, but, so what's the answer to, to, to get these guys, and not just the Ken Andersons, but the other people on other teams? Right. How do you how do you not miss on guys? You know, I'm almost at the Ron Borges theory now. The great the great uh, writer from Boston who covered uh, the Patriots for the, both the Herald and the uh, and the Globe. He also covered the Raiders. He was a major reason Ken Stabler got in. Mm-hmm. So I kind of. You know, he knows I'm sure the you guys Ken have had some conversations yeah. about that. He knows that Ken Anderson's the best guy not in there. He knows that. Um, Yet not but, even a finalist in the the, the beautiful blue no, ribbon panel no, right. that was put together. No, no. And, and I most and, and the guys that I talked to, the reporters who were on that, the guys who were on that blue ribbon committee who were also on the seniors committee were stunned that the stunned, no, yeah, not even Anderson, but not even Riley, right? At least one of the twenty. But I guess my point is getting back to it. You know, how does that? How do you prevent these guys from falling through the cracks? And like Borges said, you've got you've got an operation where you get so many people. You got one percent of the people are going to get in, and there's going to be disagreements. I guess. But here's and here's where we get into the process and where I take exception. And I think we're in a good time now that they've got this centennial class all right. the way. I feel like this is a good time to reevaluate the way things are done. And right. this is the Hall of Fame is a separate entity from the NFL. Right. I mean, they work, they're obviously together, but there's a, it, they run their own ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they do it a certain way. They, you have 48 guys that are in this, that are amongst this selection committee. And most of them have been part of this committee for a long time. Yeah. Most people in the room have been in there for decades. John Clayton just got his 30th 30th uh, 30th year. 30th Every year John Clayton and he's, and, and he's, and he's great. seen a lot. Yeah, great and seen, seen a lot yeah. and that's not a debate but every single one of us mm-hmm. even the Peter King you know who's in there and and is very vocal and should be and, yeah. and has and has covered every corner of the league including here. Yeah. You know in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It, you know even those people have their object subjectivity right. and bias. Right. Like that's just—it's natural. You saw right. who you saw. You talked to who you talked to, right. and you—and those are your opinions. You've right. got, you got—you can't possibly be omnipotent on all league matters right. and know and know everything. So the fact that you have anybody in there for thirty years, where their opinion is part of the conversation for thirty years, every single year is how guys slip through the cracks. Because you have these same groups of people. Because new people don't come in often. Hardly ever. 
So you basically have the same group of people's opinion on what was good football, what were important stats that matter, what guys people in certain markets to, did. And what people they talked to. They all talked to the same coaches. Yes, and, the same you know, coaches. And, and coaches and scouts, they have agendas too. Yes. They and want to see their guys. You need every reporter that and their new their contacts that come from a different right. understanding and, and appreciation for the game. So to me, yeah. like when I do the Ken Anderson debate I use yards per attempt every single time, first and foremost, mm -hmm. because to me, it's a defining stat of good right. quarterback play. And that is an evolution that has come with a lot of the younger group that has come into right. the game, the analytics side of the game. Yeah. Most, and, and I'm not saying that people that are, don't understand that, that are in that room, but it's not as much a part yeah. of what they, how they viewed the game. It's not as much a part of a lot of the coaches they probably think about viewed the yeah. game. But now the, the new era, the Zach Taylors of the world, the Sean McVay's of the world, understand efficiency and, and Ken Anderson was the king of quarterback efficiency. No question about it. Yeah. And, and when you, and so when I make that argument, it's like, you know, if there's no one in there that truly is, has an appreciation for that, right. you're on deaf ears. And, th and that's the case across every position and every different way yeah. that it can be viewed. And I feel like it's time to find a way to have new groups and new blood in there. That's not taking those people out of the equation right. that are currently in there, but either adding more or some sort of rotation or something because that helps you not have people get forgotten because there's new people with different opinions, different contexts that are entering the conversation to be like, hey – don't forget about yeah. this and with a different view on how that person should be viewed. That's why I like the debate aspect of it. Yes. I think there's good – I like baseball. And I know we had talked off the air about you – know, I'd love it to be like baseball where you just slip in your 10 names into the envelope and be done with it. But make sure you check off Jeter. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the guy just forgot, don't you? I don't know. I, I think he just whiffed. Because I almost, I almost, because <laughs> when I did my ballot, I marked, and I double checked, I almost gave it to the guy, but I looked at, I left off Palomaro because I just yeah. assumed they had had him. Yeah. I said, I had to redo it. You know, I had to, but, so, maybe this You're guy. Like, hey, I, 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 you feel for him. Yeah, maybe he just whiffed. And, yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, but I don't think it's like baseball, so you do, I, I like those discussions because there are things that I've heard that make me, you know, do a double take and make mm -hmm. me, you know, think. I mean, but it's just virtually impossible when it comes to offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. I mean, to make that, you know, I mean. And it will be until we get into an era where pro football focus is more involved. I guess, I guess. Where, where you can actually start yeah. to put numbers to those guys yeah. that do undefinable things. I get things. nervous about numbers in football because every offense is different and every defense mm -hmm. is different and every, you know. What but you've got to try to find some way to, to quantify find, yeah. whether it's not allowing pressures, whether it's, yeah. you know. Pro football focus will probably be a Something. Thing. It yeah. takes to give you yeah. something to grab on. I'd love to see Willie, what Willie would have been in pro football. Because focus. you know what? That's how you get yeah. great players on bad teams, right. is quantifying the right. work they did there. And I love and, the yards per pass on, yes. on, on Kenny Anderson, because the one thing it debunks is that he was a thinking on Dunker. No, no, not at he's all. He's got the same yards per. My favorite stat is he's got the same yards per as Dan Marino. Yes. Far from a thinking on Dunker. No. Right. There's no doubt. Who's, you know. Who's in, but I, you're right. You do have to find two things that will help the process. A quanti some type of way to quantify line pl line play and opening it up, opening yeah. up to you know, opening it up to more voters. Yes. Uh, 
like I said, we mentioned uh, Clady was been there 30 years. I love to hear his opinions, but I also love to hear Therese Paler. Yes. Young guy from Kansas City who's terrific. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to hear his ask, you know, what he brings. There's he so many more people covering the league yeah. and that care about the league right. and that, you know, are willing to put in the work to help. Yeah. And and can and, and view it differently. There's so, the league has yeah. blown up so much, yeah. but yet the Hall Committee is still the same group that were covering yeah. and doing the league in the 80s and the 90s. And, and that's great. There's a, there's a very important place for that. You need right. that, especially when you're talking about history. But with most of these debates, yeah. we're not talking about ancient history. No, right. we're talking about Troy Polamalu. Like right. I cover Troy Polamalu. Right. Sure. You know, there's a and there's a million people since the league has blown up over the last 15, 20 years yeah. that have come on and covered all of these guys and seen all right. of these things. But it's good to have a guy in there who saw Steve Atwater. Absolutely. Right. Sure, when you're into those conversations. Yeah. But, right. I mean, we're only talking, right. you're only modern finalists for the last 15 years, correct? And Correct. And here's what here's something else I would like to see done. Because uh, I talked to a lot of guys about this, some of, you know, about who should be in. And, like, many years, they'll say, maybe two of those guys belong in the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I kind of agree with Dion. There's too many, you know, it, the subset of not enough guys from bad teams on there, the subset is that they're, they're letting in too many players. Yeah. And if there's not enough modern players, get these seniors, you know, you know, because now, because at the most you get two seniors in a year. This this last group was special because it was right. the 100th anniversary. But usually it's two, and it alternates between two and one. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's that's, that's just like... Ron Borges said it's 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 a luck. It's lucky if you get in. Yes, almost. So um, I'd like to see it. If oh hey, if there's not enough modern guys, do you think are good enough to put those? You know, put put two put two more seniors yeah. on a ballot or three more seniors on a ballot. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I can't. I mean. And why do you have to be timed out like that? You know what I mean? So yeah. why can't – like yeah. obviously the more modern guys are probably going to have a chance. But if there's a year where you're like not really feeling it and you're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is yeah. the year that you look at you look at a, a Riley or an Anderson yeah. or whatever. You're, yeah. You know, you're literally comparing somebody and you're like, you know, we're going to talk about this yeah. guy and his 63 career yeah. interceptions. There's a guy not in who has 65 right. from back in the day. You know right, what I mean? Right, so right, it's right. like – And we know the – and we know the – you know, and then they'll argue, and we know the arguments against Kenny wasn't the best corner on his team. He didn't mm-hmm. go to any Pro Bowls. Well, not going to any Pro Bowls if he played in Cincinnati in the 70s. That's no, I mean, you couldn't get a Pro Bowl vote in Cincinnati. I mean, right. especially if you had Lamar on the other side and was a return guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going off sheer numbers. In an era when nobody threw the ball, he had 65 picks. Yeah. He must have caught every ball that came to him. <laughs> I mean, at, so, certain, at a certain point, you know, I mean, you're, you're, right. you know, and we talked about longevity and, and the value of that, yeah, yeah. but there's certain numbers that yeah, are right. pretty hard because that's not, I mean, that is, that is a, an, an absurd number to have that many, I mean, you know, that many picks and that many people behind you on that stat right. that are in. When you retired as the third all time in anything, Yes. <laughs> Anything. Anything. You Particularly not, yeah. a stat as important right. as an interception. Yes. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. But uh, so I, to me, that's, you know, and, and one thing I want to say is, you know, where I take issues, I, I have these, con- hear these conversations about, well, Edger and James. Like, I have to literally explain to people 
that, well, now that Edger and James is in, this could be a good thing for Corey Dillon because it clears the deck for yeah. running backs. Like, right. that's ridiculous. Right. But, but James, that this but high James should be in, though. No, I'm the, yeah, and, yeah, I, and yeah, I, you know, yeah, you put those yeah, side by side. It's not yeah. that he shouldn't be in. Right, right. But it's like, you know, you, where there's that's the hierarchy that exists when you have the right. same people is right. everyone has this right. ranking that is doesn't matter what you think or how differently you view it it's yeah. what it is and that's the, this it has been decided and in stone that it's Edrin James and then you start talking about right. Fred Taylor and Corey Dillon if you want to talk right. about the next running back in or and you know how that goes that goes by rings now Corey's yeah. got a ring Corey does but have I a think ring. he's seen I think he's viewed as a Bengal not as a Patriot. Which is, right. yeah, and, and maybe the case, but right. his defining year right. was 1,600 yards and a dominant playoff run to help carry Tom Brady and the, and the Patriots to a, to a Super Bowl. No question. He's, uh, uh, one of those rings is because of Corey Dillon. Yes. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't, I think he's the only guy to be the all time rusher for one team and the single season leader for another team. Yes. Plus he's got a ring. And and had the single game right. and the single rookie game. Yes. I mean, and 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 this is where you get into the comment. This is where I actually let. I think fighting for Corey Dillon, I fight for him almost as much as anybody else. And it always comes back to, yeah. Well, Edger and James played with Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. he had. You know how easy it is to gain yards when Peyton Manning's dropping back next yeah. to you. But you can't. But you can't. But you can't. Uh, penalize Edgar James and no. play with Peyton Manning. But part of the equation yeah. should be appreciate extra appreciation yeah. for what Corey yes. Dillon did with no one. No. With what, no one. And you know I've said And the before. same for Willie. Willie, that's correct. And Willie, I, I, I really fight for Willie because there was no question he was the best right tackle. We're talking about Chad being, you know, dominant for five mm-hmm. years. Willie was dominant every year he played. Yeah. You know, nobody, he, he was like, he was like, he was like America. In 1450, nobody discovered him. <laughs> nobody discovered him until 1492 at Marvin came. Yeah, you know what I mean. Unfortunate. <laughs> yes, but uh, you know they talk about Fanica, fine player. Mm-hmm. Mawai, fine player. You know, Baselli can't get in. Hey, wait a minute. We're talking about. Let's talk about. You know, they talk about these logjam offensive linemen. I said we haven't even talked about the best right tackle. When these guys were playing. Yes. We gotta debate these other guys? There's no debate here. Yes. But how do I get him in the you know But nobody wants to hear it. Say Butchie, you gotta get Willie in the room. Well, how do I get him in the room? Right. You know, I mean uh, You need more voters. Yeah. But I mean at this point at this point to me now it's about the next Willie. Because unfortunately for him and for all of these guys it's a it's a pretty impossible uphill battle. Like yeah. I mean, the realistic and, shot. And, and you're right about Corey. I should say Corey is, is certainly deserves to be in. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's part of the conversation. I mean, that yeah, and that yeah. that'll be part of the conversation going forward. Yeah. You know, but not. But you know, you talk about Vegito gets it right. I don't know. Does he? Well, he's got. I mean, I mean, this is this is about Gino. This is about AJ. This yeah. is about Wit. Yeah. I mean, to me, Wit is the next Willie because. He didn't win the playoff game and didn't really get attention for everything he did until he was in L.A. When he had been one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in football for a long stretch of four or five years here. There's a guy that benefits from pro football football focus. Because if there wasn't pro football focus... You just wouldn't think about it. Because you wouldn't you, think about it. Right. You wouldn't even realize that. Oh, yes, no one gets sacks against this guy. Right, right. You know, and all of that stuff. Yeah. So this is about. To me, this is about 
the AJs and the Genos and, and in particular the Andrew Whitworths mm-hmm. of, of the world and having them enter the room where it's a different world in there of how right. guys are viewed and get in. Yeah. I don't know that anything we say or do can change that, but I, you know, is there a way? I mean, can we approach the the hall? I mean, hey, Anthony's very influential. Anthony yeah. Munoz very influential. Right. Um, Michael works. Mike Michael works works up there, and right. I mean, perhaps there's avenues that you've got to go through, but you know, there's a lot of people that are there's a lot of pride, and there should be in being that 48. No question. There should be. I just feel like everyone that's in that room should understand the value in maybe having something that can can get different voices yeah. as a part of the conversation. Not taking one voice away, not taking any of those 48 yeah. away, but have other ones somehow more a part of the conversation to help shake it up yeah. a little bit and get a different feel so it's not set in stone. Well, well here's the hierarchy. X is the top and B and blah, blah, blah. But... The voters, yeah, right. I, I, yeah, right. The voters are the one that set that because they keep sending the same ones back into the room, yes. which is uh, the point. Yeah, right. Because right, you, right, right. you got to get them in the room. And there's two thoughts there. That well, if they're the, if they're good enough to be, be to keep coming back in the room five, six, seven times and put them in. <coughs> well, if right. you haven't put well, my argument is if you haven't put them in by the five by the fifth or sixth or seventh time, what's that tell you? Because to me, if I look at a guy's name. 80% of his argument to me is, yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Yes. If you have to delve into it a little bit, <coughs> I'm not sure. I'm not, you know. Yeah. Peter King always says it's not the Hall of the Very Good. Yes. You know. And that's fair. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah, it's also we, not the Hall of Super Bowl Champions either. Yes. And that's what it's become. Right, right. But, but how do you change that? How do you change that? I would like to see, I would, I'm with you, I'd like to see an expanded committee. Uh, I think the 48 on there now, they're very, very qualified, and it's in good hands when that thing goes in there. But just to maybe more diverse, more voices, uh, that'd be good. I mean, I'd I'd like to see some players on there. Yeah. It's just a different, it's just, it's just a different, it's such a hard game to evaluate. It's a hard game to quantify. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so to me, the more voices, the better. But I'm not sure, you know, I'm just not sure there's an answer to make everybody happy because it's that kind of a game. You know, I mean, you know how it is, you know, you cover a team, you look at the tape and then you ask some people around the team and you're not sure you were looking at the same tape. Yes. You know what I mean? Now, is that because you don't know what you're talking about or is it because you didn't know the play or is it because they have an agenda? It's probably a little bit of everything. That's, yeah. that's it's a very diffi- it's a it's a difficult game to cover because it's not it's a difficult game to play. Yeah, it's a difficult game to evaluate, and I think that's kind of what we're uh, you know. I, yeah, I, you're I, exactly I, right. It's yeah. not baseball you know, where the numbers do yeah. trump everything. Yeah. Three thousand hits, put them in. Yeah, there's well, yeah. and and yeah. certain you can perfectly yeah. quantify somebody against the other guy. Perfectly, no matter yes. who they played yeah. for, no matter where they played, no matter if they won awards or not, yeah. you can look at yeah. you know on base percentage or or right. whatever number you choose to use yeah. side by side right. for a guy that played for the Reds when they were bad right. versus a guy that played for the Yankees in their yeah. run of World Series. It didn't yeah. matter. It's yeah. why a guy like Joey Votto yeah. can almost win the damn MVP two yeah. years ago right. on a, on an yeah. awful Reds team yeah. because 
it's the numbers. Right. It's what this guy did right. was was what matters. And football doesn't exist. No, and football, right. Right. you can't right. – it's really hard to put – Willie Anderson in 1998, yeah. next to Tony or Baselli or right. whoever that was in the Super Bowl, and everyone was lauding their praises because right. they won a Super Bowl. Right, it's impossible right. to do. No, I know. I, that's I, the know, problem. And it's the problem. I mean, it's like uh, that's why you need more voices. Edgar James had Peyton Manning. Corey Dillon might have had the greatest year ever in 2000 that nobody ever knew when his yards per attempt was. Right there with the with the yards yards his yards per rush yeah was almost matched the yards per attempt of a starting quarterback. <laughs> That's a hell of a year, my That's friend. That's a hell of a year. You know, and he gained and he set the team rushing record. Yeah, has it ever so, been done? I would have, you you would Jay Morrison. Yeah, let's well, call Jay. He will go, go immediately. We'll, we will ask Jay. I will make Jay. You know, this is Jay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go back to Jay with this, and when we record the podcast, uh, we'll make sure that he has that stat ready would it, for us. Would it be yeah? <laughs> that, would a team's leading rusher, and it would have to be within maybe a percentage point because I think Corey was at four point six that year, and yeah. Achilles was at four point seven. God, he was so bad. So uh, <laughs> Corey was so good, but yeah. that doesn't show up on the. I mean, no. that doesn't. That no, doesn't. No. People don't. Uh, People you would never that, even think of something like that. You know, Edgar James had a four six. You know, oh, that's pretty good. And you look at Corey, had a four six. That's pretty good. You don't know how good that four six was. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. good was Edgar's four six when yeah. Peyton was probably what eight nine yeah. or nine two versus right. Achilles? Right. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about right. it. Yeah. Uh, it's been a good conversation, and we did not even mention future Hall of Famer Joe Burrow. No, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> or John F. Kennedy. Or John, yeah, I know. Yeah, you, know. you talk about yeah. your all time long shots. Uh, yeah. For for another day. For I another can't day. believe. You can't have music in this thing. Uh, well, well, there's there can be music, yeah, but not like yeah. music that's being sold by someone else. Oh, okay, all right. Well, because you you have a preference. What would it, what did you want? I wanted I wanted to just to sum up this whole month would be lawyers, guns, and money by Warren Zevon. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, play that song in your head. I'm sure you know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's right next to "In the Mood" yeah. on the on the uh, jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if you're listening to this, it's a jukebox is a thing they used to have uh, inside of bars and yeah. restaurants where you could go. You put money into it. This is before you just do it on your phone. Yeah. By yeah. the way, if you have made it this far, you might want to get checked. You might want to get checked. You might want to get checked. You're you're too you're you're too into right. it. But. Uh, Butch, thank you as always uh, for thank allowing you, me into the room. It's great to have you back on, and uh, always we, great to always uh, good to be with you. We'll and, do this uh, again for sure as we get closer to draft season. Say hello to the kids, boy. We'll do.